we're continuing on our series we started last week about worship. And when we first started this series, I grew up in church. Okay, I grew up, I was a pastor's kid, and um, so I was in service. Every time there was a service, I was there. Doesn't matter what the service was, I was there. Women's group, I was there running sound. I had to go to everything. We lived right next to the church. Our house was connected to the church. So it doesn't matter what was happening at the church, you can just guarantee that we were, that we were a part of it. So I grew up in church, and every time, even, even up until uh, this, I always knew that there was a deeper part of worship, but the first thing that usually comes to our mind when we think of worship, a lot of times has to do with singing, has to do with songs, has to do with the time at the beginning of the service when the worship team's up here singing and leading us in songs, and that's a lot of what, that's a lot of what we see worship as. And as I was just studying and praying, I want you to know worship is, is not singing. Can you worship with singing? Yes. And we'll see that in the scripture here in just a second. But worship is your connection to God. Worship is your reverence and honor to God. It's your expression of love to God. It's, it's all of that. But it has to do with you and God. And we talked last week, but it's not a question of are you a worshiper? The question is, what are you worshiping or who are you worshiping? Because we worship something. Whatever is, whatever is number one in our life, whatever we value above something else, that was one of the definitions, then that's what we worship. Whatever we value above everything else. And as I was looking up different scriptures, a lot of different meanings, but several meanings when you look it up, even in the Hebrew as well as the Greek, it has to do with bowing down, leaning towards, or even to kiss. Okay? So it, it, it almost means like when you walk into, you know, if you walk into back then, if you walk into the presence of the king, you bow down, kiss his hand or the ring or whatever. You, but it's a place of respect. It's a place of honor. It's a place of just recognizing the authority and, and who this leader is. And that's our relationship with God, that we will begin to look at our life, really see where we are at in our own individual life, that we're, what, how do we view God? Because sometimes we view God as, you know, depending on how you've been raised and what you've been taught, you can view God as he's, he's up there ready to get you every time you make a mistake. You could see God as someone who's very loving and gracious. Everybody could have a different view of God based on your upbringing. But worship to God means that when you come before God and that when you're in the presence of God, which is always that there is this honor and respect and this almost this bowing down. And here's how I looked at that earlier. When I'm, when I'm thinking about just bowing down before the Lord, this is what I think about. I think about lowering myself and raising him up. Not in the sense of like he's not up high enough, but in my life, putting him at a higher place in my life. The Bible says in John 3, I believe it's in verse 30, somewhere around there, it says that he must increase and I must decrease. Remember those, those scales we've talked about before, those scales that when there's more, when this goes up, this goes down. When this goes up, this goes down. And when we would, when we would see ourselves not in a negative light, not that we're, we have no self-worth, no value, because we have value. God has put value on us. But in a way of saying, God, it's really about you. My life, I want my life to be more about you than about me. And, 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 and getting to that place where we can, I wish I could just tell you, like, I am like me and God. But sometimes if things happen and I don't feel like God handled it right, then I kind of come up a little bit just to maybe I can help him. And then there's times when, there's probably been times where I even took over and tried to work at myself. But I'm telling you, there is something inside of you and me that will never, ever be fully fulfilled until we really worship God. In spirit and in truth, like John 4 says, in spirit and truth, in everything, in in. On the inside, in the spiritual level, in a level of truth, what the word says, in everything that we worship God that way. 
And we're going to talk about that worship. So again, it's bowing down. It's, it's, it's recognizing the goodness and the magnitude of who God is. It's magnifying God. You know, when you magnify God, you see him bigger. He's bigger. You know, I'm, I, uh, I have these new glasses that I got not too long ago. My old ones are at the bottom of Kentucky Lake for a minor jet ski accident. And, um, and I remember for the longest time, I didn't have glasses. And some of you will probably hear that next Sunday when I tried to speak with my old glasses and we had bigger fonts on the TVs and, and I had bigger fonts on my notes because I couldn't see. And, I, and so what we did is I had to magnify things and make them bigger so I could see. And sometimes when we have, when we have God just with everything else, sometimes we, we don't see God for who he is. We don't see God for how big he is. Now, will we ever fully understand with our natural minds how big God is? No. He's bigger and, and, and can do more than you could ever even imagine or think. And Ephesians 3.20 says that. But to be able to see God for more of who he is and magnify God, that comes through worship. That's part of worshiping, honoring, bowing before God, giving God reverence, putting him number one in our life, and that's, that's what we want to do. We, we got to do that. And I said this earlier, but if you want to you live with joy in this world, you're going to have to have God. You're going to have to have God. He will, he will, he's the one that will sustain you through everything. Let's look at a few verses real quick about this worship. Psalm 95, 6 and 7, where it talks about bowing down. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people that he watches over, the flock under his care. See, there's something about recognizing that we belong to God, that God is the one that is overseeing us. God is the one that's looking after us. And again, hopefully through this, you're going to see the love of God in such an amazing way that God says, listen, I'll take care of you. I will look after you. When we come and just humble ourselves before God, and really make it about God. Now, here's what I'm saying. We can't, we're going to get into this in a minute. It's not about you doing everything right. It's not about you making sure you pray and read your Bible every day. But the more you kneel before God and get in his presence, that's going to happen. Because when you really get, find something that really ministers to you and really you see the benefit of it and you really enjoy it and you really love it, you're going to come to it more. Right? It's in anything. If something, if you experience something for the first time and it's a good experience, you're going to come back. If it's not a good experience, you're not going to come back. So you just have to know, just, it's all about recognizing God's love for you. And out of that, that's what brings you to God. So it says when we worship God, we kneel before the Lord our maker. He's our God. We're the people that he watches over. Okay, we're so busy sometimes looking out for ourselves, and God's promise is that he watches over us. We're the flock under his care. If we would just listen to his voice, he will take care of us. Let's look at this next verse about bowing before the Lord. Look at Romans verse four, uh, chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And listen to this. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord. Does the Lord live? Okay, then this is, this is legit right here. Every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will, will declare allegiance to God. Look at the next verse in Philippians 2. It just says it again. Therefore God elevated him, referring to Jesus, to the place of highest honor. Jesus came, when you read before that, it talks about Jesus humbling himself, set aside his deity, came down as a man, humbled himself, even to the point of death on the cross. And then it says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names. And at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 
and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So I want to encourage you in something. Worship is so important. And I'm just going to tell you, one day, one day, everyone will bow before God. Why not do it now? Why not start now? Because one day you're going to. One day everybody's going to. Those people that you think, oh, my goodness. Those people are crazy. I'm telling you, that neighbor that gets on your nerves, one day they're going to bow. They're going to bow before the Lord. It's coming. And here's the thing. Let's do it now. Let's worship God now. Let's bow before the Lord, our maker. He's our God. Let's be worshipers of God. Let's forget about doing all the stuff. The stuff is a product that comes as a result of us worshiping God. But we've made worship in the stuff that we do. Well, if I pray, if I do this, if I sing loud, or if I really want to worship, guess what I'm going to do today? Yep, I'm throwing up the left hand. (laughs) Now I'm going to worship it. I'm just going, you know, just slow. Next week, I'm going to be even more of a worshiper. Look out. Now I got them both up. Then you're going to sway. And then it's like, oh, now I'm a worshiper. That's not worship. Worship is when you're so connected to God and you can't help but say, God, everything I have is yours. I want everything that you have for me. Lord, if, I, if there's anything I'm not seeing or understanding, Lord, I'm opening my life to you to speak to me. Lord, make it clear to me. Show me those things and watch God do it. But that comes out of a place of worship. That, that, that's not the worship. It comes out of your place of worship. Are you following me? All right, good. Now, this is, we were, this is where we were at uh, last week. Because we were recognizing that it has to be about our connection with God. John 17 says that uh, this is eternal life, that you know God. That you know God. It's all about your connection with the creator of the world. So we talked about this verse. We're going to review a little bit here. But we're going to, we talked a lot last week just getting started with worship. We kind of did a basic idea of what we're talking about. Now we're going to dig a little deeper today. Look at Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters. You know what that means, right? It's talking to believers. You okay if I walk down here? Don't get nervous. If I start to spit, I'll move back up, all right? But he says this, brothers and sisters, meaning this, believers, believers. So this is what this says to me. Believers, we still have to grow. He's getting ready, Paul's getting ready to encourage them in something. And and I want you to know that just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're good, that you have everything together. You know what? There's a place of grow. Even 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word so they can grow. So we always want to be growing, but our growth doesn't come by our performance. Our growth comes by our connection to God. Right? How many times have we been told in the growth class, this is how you grow. Do this, do this, do this. And that, that's not it. Because you're going to see that you can, you can read your Bible. Guess what? The devil knows the word. He used it against Jesus. It's not just about knowing, but you have to know the God behind the word. I'll never forget this uh, illustration I heard a guy say one time, and, it was, and, and once he said it, I recognized it even for myself. Is there's times, especially think about when you were younger. Okay? Think about whether it was a teacher, whether it was a guardian or a parent or a grandparent. And there was a season where maybe you thought, man, they're so strict, right? They're so strict. I thought my parents were strict. I mean, it's like every time I did something wrong, I got in trouble. And I thought that was strict, you know, they were so protective. They were so, you know, and if I did something, I had to, you know, I was in the house for a week or I got spanked or I got both. And I got talked to as I was getting spanked. 
Well, I told you. How many times I got to tell you? You know, they talk to you and beat you. So you have to listen and cry at the same time. And then they want you to answer. You hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? That's how, that's how it was. And I remember thinking, man, they're so strict. But here's what happened. When I got older and I matured, I realized I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew what they were saying, but I didn't know the motivation behind it. I didn't know the heart behind it. I didn't know how much my parents really loved me. And there's a lot of people that know the word, but they don't know the God behind the word. So when you look at this and you see it, you interpret it as you think God is, and it jacks up your whole view of the greatest God ever, of the only God, of the God that loves you more than you've ever been loved or ever will be loved. And we don't know, we don't, we don't, sometimes we don't know how to take this because we're looking at this for our answer and we have to know God. Because when we know God, this comes into the perspective of now I know who he is, so I hear what he says in a whole different light. Now this is part of how you get to know God too. But as you spend time with God, you get to know him. And I promise you, you will not spend time with God and regret it. I promise you. It's impossible. It's impossible. To me, I don't think it's possible to really spend time with God and not like him. Because he has nothing but good things for you. Gives you hope, gives you joy, gives you peace. So we have to be people that get into the word. We have to grow. So Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, listen, I urge you or I plead with you. In other words, he's saying, this is important. Please listen to me. He's not just saying, hey, got an idea for you. No, he's saying, I plead with you. I am begging you. I am urging you with everything to really, really, really hear what I'm saying. And I'm doing that to you this morning. I am pleading with you. And I am begging you to lose the whole idea of what you think worship is. Lose the whole mindset of what you think it is. And I want you to open yourself up today to a, to a different thought process and a different revelation of what it means to worship God. And to see him for who he is, not what someone told you. Not based on how you interpreted an event. But get to know God. Let God speak to you on who he really, really is. Because it'll change you. It'll change you. My view of God is changing. I'm, I'm seeing different things and I just thought, wow. You're more amazing than I thought you were and I thought you were amazing. You're more amazing than amazing. You're amazing, amazing. Now I can understand why Ephesians 3 it says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. Because just saying, oh, you could do all I could ask or think, that doesn't even show Jesus or God Above all, that's not even it. Abundantly above all, that still doesn't do it. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. That's the God that we serve. The God that's bigger than what we think and loves us more than we think. So Paul's saying, listen, I, I beg you, I plead you with you. And then he says this, to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Now, one tra- in the New King James, it says it this way. I urge you in view of God's mercies that you present yourself a living sacrifice. In other words, he's saying, I urge you, in- you already know what God has done for you. Now give your life to him. That's what he's saying. He's saying recognize God's love for you. Recognize God's goodness in your life. And because of that, then... You can give your life to him. Because then you're going to see how much he loves you. See, it's easy to give your life over to someone, to to God, when you know that he really cares about you and that he really loves you. And that's why he's saying he spent the first 11 chapters talking about God's goodness for you and how how he... came and he, he fulfilled the law for us and he came and he paid for our sins and he did all this so we could have right standing with God. 
And now he, God sees us through the eyes. When he sees us, he sees Jesus in us. And his picture of us is way better than what we think. His view of us is way better than what we think. His value of us is way better than what we think. And when you can see that through God's eyes and you can see the beauty of who you are and how much God loves you and, and all that God has done for you because he cares about you, then you can truly worship God. But see, we think sometimes that we have to do all this stuff to get that. He already did that. God already did that. Guess what? Right now, if you're a believer, God already says that you're righteous. Do you mess up? Yes. Do you miss the mark at times? Yes. But God still sees you better than you see you. And Paul's saying, listen, I really am urging you and pleading with you. Look how much God loves you. Look at all that he's done for you. Up to this point, look at all that he's done for you. Eternal life is only because of him. The way you'll spend forever and ever is only because of him. And then he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, just... Just surrender it all. Just surrender everything to the Lord. Stop trying to earn something you already got. Stop trying to make something happen that you already have. Do you know how many times I know people that just say, man, I just want God to love me. And I just think, I understand what you're saying. Because sometimes it's, you know, you know someone loves you, but sometimes you don't always feel that love. But I'm telling you, God loves you. He loves you just the way you are right now. He loves you. And some some of the struggle we have in changing and trying to do better and trying to make changes is because the motivation and the heart behind everything we're doing is to try to earn something from God. You know what? Let me just tell you something. Can I just be real with you? You cool with that? Because I'm going to. Even if you said no. Do you know what? Even in relationships. I remember back in the day. You know, even when Patty and I would go through difficult times. Or struggles or disagreements. You know when, you know when the most frustrating times were? Is when I was. I was just trying to perform. I wanted to make sure that, that she knew. I just, had to, I, just, I just wanted to make sure I did everything right and, and focus on doing everything right. And, and you know what? That's when I messed up. That's when I struggled the most. When I tried to just earn this thing and have this outward thing that says everything's fine, I can do this, and I just try to do everything in my strength. Do you know when victory really came? Do you want to know? When I stopped trying so hard and I realized Patty loves me and I love her. And out of that love, things happen. But trying to do things to, to manufacture love or to try to, well, if I, if I, okay, if I do this right, then, I'll, then she'll feel loved. If I do this right, then she'll feel loved and, and, then, and then I'll feel loved. If, if, you know, if we can. And it was so just messed up. And you know what? With God, we do the same thing. We go to God, we think, okay, if I do this, hey, God, look at me. <laughs> now, do you know I love you? God, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. We, do you love me now? Do you love me, God? Because I'm trying to be my best for you. Because I, I really want you to love me. I really want you to be proud of me. How about now? And it's not until you really understand that God already loves you. He already cares about you. And out of that love, you will run to this. Because this is where you're just going to soak it up and see, wow, God, I see your love all through this book. I see your compassion and your kindness all through this book. But instead of letting God's love help us process and help us understand who he is, we try to just come up with our own stuff of how we can somehow manufacture this. And it doesn't work that way. You're already loved. 
And Paul's saying, look, once you know that, will you just give your life over to him? Because once you know he loves you, then you say, okay, God, there's no one I trust more. I give my life to you today. I give my life to you. Listen, if, 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 if I didn't know you, and we were at the mall, and you were saying, hey, man, do the trust fall. I'll catch you. Bro, I'm not doing it. Even if I know you, if you're a little guy, I'm not doing it. Because you may not be able to hold me up when I fall. So we're not going to trust people we don't know. But if you get to know God and you just realize his love for you, man, those, those hesitations fall off. The, the struggles fall away. And you begin to just come to him and realize that. Remember, like we said in Psalms 95, he watches over you. He cares for you. He already knows everything you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. And he loves you. And he wants to help you. And he's your strength. He's your hope. But the biggest struggle that we have in worshiping God is we've always made it what we do for him. And that's where God's saying, look, it's not, it's not that. It's not about you performing. It's about just understanding how much I love you. How much I love you. I wish I could, I wish I could just speak where you just knew it was God. And you just could close your eyes and hear this. I love you. I wish you could just see and hear that coming straight from God. There's not one person in the world that doesn't like to hear those, those words if they're genuine. I love when, when my kids or my wife, when they say, you know what, man, I love you. I love it. We all do. God says it every day to us. He shows us. He's, he's, he's demonstrated it so many times. The struggle is we just haven't learned necessarily how to receive that and how to understand it. But hopefully today we're going to realize that's really what it's all about is God's love for you and our response to just receive his love, what he's already done. So Paul says, look, believers, I want to encourage you. Recognize all that God's done. Recognize his love for you. It's only out of that that you can even present your bodies to the Lord. Then it says, let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Then it says this, this is truly the way to worship him. It's truly the way to worship him. And then verse 2, this we'll jump into here just for a second. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. You know what? Worship in the world's eyes is different. We're talking about presenting ourselves to the Lord because of his love for us. That's the motivation behind everything we do is that God loves us and he cares for us. That's the motivation behind it all. But that's not what the world does. And sometimes it's difficult because we live in this world where there's so much stuff around us, there's so much influence, there's so much opportunities. And we talked about this before, but the world is, we don't want to copy those patterns. See, the world, they, they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping themselves or they're worshiping, you know, money or they're worshiping people or they're worshiping whatever. But their worship is in something totally different. Nothing wrong with people, nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with you. But if it's above God, then that, that, that would be a problem. But I will tell you, we can't follow these patterns. We have to be really sincere in letting God transform us. That's what the rest of that verse says. We'll get there in a minute. But what does the world look like? Well, let's look at these verses. We talked about these a little bit. But look at Mark. Mark chapter 7, verse 6 through 8. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, listen to this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. They teach man-made ideas and commands from God. 
Do you know, I want to encourage you in something. Your worship is a matter of the heart. It's not, it's not, it's not something that you say or you do. Matter of fact, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say is a result of what's in here. Guard your heart. Out of it flows the issues of life, the wellspring of life. So we have to guard our hearts. But what it, what, what's in here is going to come out. And sometimes we think if we say all of this, and I'm not against the confessing things. There's nothing wrong with confessing the word. But sometimes if we think if we say it, then it will get in here. But let me tell you, a part of getting in here is recognizing God's love for you, seeing yourself as God sees you, recognizing who God is, and then out of that, your heart begins, you begin to understand what God has done for you and how he has changed you and how you have a new life in him. And out of that, you begin to speak those things that actually are who you are and what line up with you. And so it's a matter of your heart. So we're worshiping God. We can't just say it. We can't just say we worship God and then it's not in our heart. And that's what they were saying. They said, that's not, that's not it. That's not it. Worship has to come from a sincere heart. Let's, look at, let's keep going. Uh, Romans 1, 21 through 25. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him or, as God or even give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Look at verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Listen to me. Sometimes we believe a lie, and it's not because someone has intentionally lied to us. But do you know if you don't grasp the truth of who God is, and you don't see it for the truth, then the enemy has somehow tried to deceive you into believing a lie. Because if it's not the truth of who God is, it's a lie. And we have to make sure that we believe what the, the truth about God. And it says, so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself. And that happens in the world today. We begin to worship. We begin to put all of our hope, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our money, all of our stuff, everything into the world's stuff that at some point will all be gone. And if all of our value and all of our hope and all of our joy is in this world thing, then when the world thing goes, we have no hope and we have no value and we have no joy. But if your hope and your value and your joy is all out of your relationship with God and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you, guess what? No one can take that. Because God always was and always will be. No one can take that. It's a matter of worshiping, keeping our eyes on the creator and not on the creation. Keep our eyes focused on God. Look at Acts 17, 22 through 28. Paul standing before the council addressed him as, as, as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God, the God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. For he is the God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was the nations to seek after God. That was his purpose, that they would seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him, listen to this, in him we live, we move, and we exist. In him. That's what it's all about. Our life, it's in him. And he talked about this unknown God that they're worshiping. And they're worshiping a God 
that they don't know. You know what that is? That's just religion. It's just religion to worship a God. You don't even know him. There's no relationship. It's just an act. It's just an, it's just an outward act, but not true worship. Guess what? That happens in churches. And sometimes it's not that our hearts aren't in it or that our hearts aren't right, but you know what we do? We have learned that worship is a posture. Worship is something. It's a, it's a, it's a hand up. It's a, it's a sway. It's an eyes closed. It's a, it's a kneel down. It's whatever. Without a relationship, none of that is worship. And even if, even if we have a relationship with God, sometimes, and I've told you this before, there's times, one reason why I sit on the front row is so I don't have, you know, a big delay from worship to, to the ministry time. I'm walking from the back. Oh, here I come, guys. But another reason is because I get distracted. And it still happens on the front row. There's a cord out of place or if there's a spider web somewhere, if I see it, I'm like, oh, how do we not see that? And then I find myself postured for worship, but not in worship. I find myself with my hands up thinking, all right, okay, Monday we need to get that spider web. We got to change that light bulb. Why is there a shadow over there? Like we didn't have that light turned the right way. But to everybody else, oh, man, our pastor, he just loves Jesus. He just, every morning he's just, woo, glory. But you know what? This is nothing. Without this, without the connection to God, my hands are just up. That's why you cannot judge people's worship. You can't judge it if their hands are down, and you can't judge it if their hands are up. Because there's been people that, that stand just like this, and their mouth ain't moving, but, man, they're doing, God's doing something in them, and they're connecting with God in a way that you don't even know about. And the other side of that, there's people up there going, whoa, yeah. And there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. It's cotton candy, a lot of fluff, no substance. That's all it is. And that's not worship. That's not worship. Listen, I, I don't want you to, to come in here and fake it till you make it. I want you to come in here and I want you to prepare your hearts that you're coming in here to connect with God just like you would during the week. And you worship from your heart. And don't worry about if your hand is up or down or, or both are up. or It doesn't matter. At some point, there will be a way that you express worship in a way that you connect with your God. And that's worship. That's worship. See, the enemy wants to distract you. The enemy doesn't want you to worship God. He doesn't want you to give it over to God because he knows it, if you do at that moment, everything changes. That moment that you surrender everything to God, everything changes for the better. See, Lucifer, when he, Satan, when he was Lucifer as an angel, you know where he got messed up, right? He wanted worship. He wanted to be above. Look at Isaiah 14. This isn't, well, I think it is. Is it in your notes? It might be in your notes. But look at it up here on the screen. How you have fallen from heaven. Now, this is actually to the king of Babylon is what they're talking about. But he's, he's, saying, he's saying this to the king, but he's addressing the issue down deep. Do you remember when Peter, uh, when Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan? He wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to that evil behind it. He was talking to the enemy. So when he's addressing this king, he's addressing the enemy. He's, you'll see it as we read. How far you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, listen to this. Here's what the, Lucifer said. I will ascend. What does that mean? To be higher. I will ascend to the heaven. I will set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's, God's far away in the north. Look at the next one. I will climb to the highest heavens, and I will be like the most high God. That's, that's Lucifer saying this. Look at Ezekiel 28. This is to the king of, uh, of Tyre, and it's the same thing. And he says, then this verse, the message came from the Lord. Son of man, sing funeral songs for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. And you're going to see that he's talking about Lucifer again, and you'll see it. You were the model of perfection. There's no king that was perfect. 
full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Listen, this king was not in Eden. In Eden, there was Adam, Eve, the enemy, and God. That was the only people that were ever in Eden. Okay, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. Red, carmelian, pale green, peridot, white, moonstone, blue, green, barrel, ox. Those other beautiful things. All right, and emerald. All beautifully created for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence. You sinned. You banished into the grace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty garden, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by the love of your splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you curious <coughs> to the curious gaze of kings. Now look at Luke 10, 18. I love this verse. Jesus says this. Because this is when, when Lucifer got to that place, it says that God expelled him out of there. And let me tell you, when, when Lucifer wanted all this worship and all this praise that belongs to God, God said, nope. And Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, as soon as he tried to ascend and get all this stuff and he wanted it all to be about him, God said, nope, boom, gone. Because there's only one God worthy of worship. Only one. But do you see the enemy's tactic that he wanted it to be about him? He didn't want worship going to God. And guess what? Today, he still doesn't want worship going to God. And today, he's still going to try to distract you in any way he can to get you sidetracked from worshiping God. And he'll do whatever he can. And worship is crucial. Now, well, I won't even go there right now. All right. We have to be people that recognize that we have an adversary who wants us to not worship God. He doesn't want us to worship God. Our worship comes from our heart, and when we worship, things change. Things change, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready for it. All right, now let's look at this transformation thing. It talks about not copying the pattern of the, of the world, but then it says be transformed. And let God renew your mind in Romans 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God renew your mind. Here's what God wants to renew your mind to. He wants to renew your mind to what worship is really all about. What it's really all about. You know what worship is really about? You should by now. It's about connecting with God. About your relationship with Him, we can't we can't copy the behavior of the world. We can't look at it. We can't we can't come in here and do like they did and worship this unknown God. And so, just on the outside, we're worshiping, and we can't get so caught up in in trying to have this outward thing, but it's not happening in here. We got to really connect with God, and Paul says it at the beginning of this chapter. He says. I urge you, in view of God's mercies, because of all that he's done for you, will you give your life to him? Will you give your life to him? I'm going to stop right here. We're going to jump in the rest of this next week. We're going to go to the part two of part two. About what it means to really... Let God transform us and seeing worship not as the world sees it, but as he sees it. And we're going to jump through these. So bring your notes back. We'll print off some more. But I want you to bow your heads with me. You know, we, we talked about, we've reviewed some of this last week, and then we got into it a little bit deeper this week. But I'm really... Beginning to understand, I should say. I don't have it all. I don't think anyone does. 
But we gotta, we gotta see God for who He is. We have to let the love of God be what is the foundation of everything that we do. And I'm gonna ask you two quick questions. Well, first of all, let me ask this one. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's the number one thing. If you've not done that, today's your day. And if you need to give your life to the Lord, just look at me. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just make eye contact with me. Awesome. All right. And here's the, sec- here's the, here's the two questions. First of all, if you just really have never understood even in the, you know, maybe you've said it, maybe you've heard people talk about it, but you've never really understood for yourself how much God loves you. You just haven't ever even really begun to experience that love in a way that you really knew. Will you look up at me? I want to be honest with you about something. I want you to keep your eyes on me if you're looking at me. Sometimes we struggle with God's love because of maybe the example of a father that we had. Sometimes there can be people that have spoken things to us or done things and it really affected how we see our father God. But then there's another reason sometimes it's because we have an adversary who goes around deceiving trying to deceive people into believing something that's not true or not believing something that is true. And I want to just, I really feel like this is what the Lord wants me to do, but I want you to, if you're looking at me, I want you to keep your eyes on me. And I'm going to look straight at you, and I want you to know that your Father loves you. Your Father loves you. Your Father loves you. Your Father God loves you. Your Father, God, loves you. Your Father loves you. Keep looking at me until I get to you. Your Father loves 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 you. And the enemy is the one who's telling you it's been about your performance. The enemy is the one telling you that, that he doesn't really care. But the God of this world says to you right now, I love you with an everlasting love that will never fade, that will never go away. And I want you that looking at me, I want you to hear God say this to you. Will you just relax? You have tried so hard to earn something. And today God is letting you know he's already given it to you. It's already there. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to force it. It's already there. Your God loves you. He stinking loves you. And when you receive that, Life changes. You begin to just do what you do because God loves you and he's so important to you and you feel so valuable with him that you just want to embrace that. You just want to be with him. You just want to commune with him. You just want to hang out with him. And out of that, you notice things start happening. You start doing things different. You start talking different. You start acting different. Everything changes, but it's all a process that starts with you understanding that one simple thing. That God really, really, really loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what people have said. It doesn't matter how your father treated you. That is not, that is not a replica of God. No one is like God. God is in a category all by himself. He's perfect. He's flawless. He's, blame, he's blameless. And he loves you. He loves you. He really, 
really loves you. Just let him love you. Just let him love you. Take a deep breath. Just relax. Let God love you. Let him love you. That's worship. That connection you're making with God, that's worship. God, you love me. Because of that, Lord, it's easy for me to give my life to you. To put you in the place of the most important thing because, wow, you care that much about me. I'm safest when I'm with you. Father, I pray. Lord, not one person will leave this place today without the understanding that you really, really love them. Lord, I don't even need to ask the second question about not wanting to copy the patterns of the world because, Lord, as we receive your love, going to change it's going gonna, it's gonna to begin to tweak and fix those things in us that need tweaked and fixed so Lord we just receive your love today we just receive your love we choose to walk in it we choose to embrace it we choose to, to recognize it and out of that Lord it draws us to you your loving kindness draws us to you and I thank you that this week we'll spend more time with you as we recognize the, the depth of love you have for us. You're an amazing, amazing God. And I just want to thank you for your love. I just want to thank you. Wow. It's a lot of love that you've given to us. We receive it. And I thank you for what it will do in us and ultimately what it will do through us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.